Hi there, my name is Rodney. I'm a leader at Redeemer Church in Worthing, formerly known as Jubilee. It's great to be able to share with you today. Thank you for inviting me to speak. I don't know what your experience of lockdown has been. Everyone will have their own tale to tell. One group that struggled are families, whether it's parents having to homeschool their children or grandparents not being able to hug their grandchildren. It's been tough for families. My mother-in-law had her 80th birthday party over Zoom recently, and each of her three children and their families all ate cake simultaneously sorry, across the country while singing happy birthday. It was fun, but it just wasn't the same as being together, hugging, cheering, laughing in the same room. And churches have also struggled adapting to meeting online. And I think if this crazy COVID time has taught me anything, it's that I love being physically present with my church family. And so that's what I want to speak to you about today. It's about church being a family. Because when we're born again, we are born into a brand new family called the church. But all our experiences of family that we bring into church are different. So, for instance, when I first met um, Sue, my wife, um, I, I was used to my family and how we did things. And I thought our family was standard and normal. Um, but then when I met her family, I thought, oh, they're different. They do things differently. They speak differently. Mealtimes are different. Uh, traditions are different. And I suddenly realized, well, maybe my family isn't the standard family. Yeah, it's still another UK family. And yet we were very, very different. And so I learned then, okay, families are very, very different. So I don't know if that's been your experience as well. Because, you know, experiences that we have, we can bring something to the table which will strengthen it because our appreciation of family has grasped something uh, of godliness. But also we can bring weakness to the table because all our models are based in a fallen culture, whatever your culture is. So we all need to relearn what family is meant to look like. And the Bible presents God's family as a story which needs to become our story. So I want to tell you a bit about that story today. And our story starts with God himself. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So all families are derived from the very nature of God himself. God is a father because he has a son, Jesus. But, you know, Jesus didn't become a son at the incarnation. He has always been God the Son. He writes in John 16, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. So for all eternity, God has been a Father, a Son and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. God is the perfect family unit modelling love, authority and submission. But you know what? The Apostle Peter says that we have become partakers of the divine nature when we became Christians. And so now we are caught up in this perfect love flowing through the Godhead. Isn't that amazing? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones commenting on that verse in 2 Peter says this, one in whom are essentially the traits and characteristics of God himself, the divine life. So our church family should have the traits and characteristics of God himself as a father and a son. To understand this, we need to see the big picture story, to see what has God promised in the Old Testament. 
How are those promises fulfilled in Jesus? And then how, thirdly, do we work them out in church life? And those are the three points I want to make this morning. So first of all, what has God promised in the Old Testament? Well, it's no surprise that when God created mankind, he created a family unit like himself. So in Genesis, it says, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis chapter one. So right at the start, God's plan was to extend his rule by filling the earth with families that love God. And even when sin uh, came in and corrupted his creation, God's plan was to restore his rule through families. So God's promise to Abraham was to have a family who would bless all the families of the earth. I will surely bless you and make your descendants or your seed as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. That's Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 12 has said, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So the Old Testament promise from God is to bless all families on earth through the family of Abraham. Well, Abraham's son was called Isaac, which maybe you'll know. And he had a son called Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons and with their families became the nation family called Israel. But Israel was not the final expression of God's family because God promised to bless all nations on earth, not just one nation. So secondly, God's promise was then fulfilled in Jesus. In Galatians 3 verse 16, Paul explains that the promise to Abraham is fulfilled in Christ. This is what he writes. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So Jesus is the seed. Therefore, the promise to bless all families on earth is enacted every time someone becomes a Christian. It happened when you became a Christian. You enacted that. You became adopted by God, the Father, into his family called the church. So in Jesus, the church becomes the full expression of God's new family. And this explains why Paul addresses churches the way he does. He says to the Corinthian church, he calls them my beloved children. And later he writes to them and says, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You know, for Paul, church was not a formal organization with a membership or a business or just a group of friends. It was family. So he describes the language of family to describe the relationships. So when he writes to the Thessalonians in, in, in chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians, he says this, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So sometimes Paul is like a father, sometimes he's like a mother, living among the church sharing his life with them. And then later he writes to Timothy about what these new relationships, these family relationships look like in the church. So he says in 1 Timothy 5, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So the church is made up of brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. 
Is that how you see yourself here in Gateway? A member of a family? Language is important because the language that we use will build what we become. So an overemphasis of business language will build a legalistic church void of intimacy and love. If we only call each other friends, we end up with a shallow church that lacks commitment, the commitment that a family would have. I think churches have shrunk back from using the biblical language of brothers and sisters in recent years. Perhaps it's seen as a bit archaic, something from a bygone generation. Perhaps because church, um, uh, because culture has blurred gender, but sexualized relationships between men and women. Um, I remember a time a couple of years ago, um, I was meeting a couple of women uh, in a coffee shop over lunch because we were having a discussion about meeting leading because they were both meeting leaders at Jubilee, part of my team. So I thought I'd meet them both together in a cafe. I think it was Costa's. And um, one came right on time, but one of them was late. And as I was sitting and chatting uh, to this lady, suddenly I noticed another church member come in and sit just across and, um, and then he looked across at me and I was beginning to get a bit nervous, thinking, oh, I wonder what he thinks. Oh, I wonder what, am I setting a good example here? And so I began to pray fervently under my breath, Lord, Lord, please send, please send Kelly, get her to come quickly. You know, he was the other, the other woman that I was meeting with. And I thought, oh, but, you know, let, you know let, I quickly went off to the loo, even though I didn't need the loo, because I, I was just feeling awkward in this situation. And then eventually Kelly came. But you know what? I thought, what an idiot am I? Why am I really worried about what people are thinking here? I know what I'm doing is perfectly okay. Um, and it's just caused through a bit of delay. But I think because culture sexualizes men and women's relationships, whenever it can, it can make us feel uncomfortable in the church. You know what? The key to understanding our relationships with each other is to grasp this fact. God is the same father of us all. And that helps us, brothers and sisters, to relate together in absolute purity. So then, thirdly, how is family worked out in church life? So what are some of the practical ways for Gateway Church to express herself as a family? I've got three. So firstly, salvation is bringing to birth, not saving souls. John chapter 3, verse 3. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. That's what Jesus said. People become Christians by being born into God's family. But if we back off from using such language, we hinder new Christians grasping their place in a new family. Because as infants in Christ, they need special care and love. Peter, in, in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, he writes, Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So salvation is something that we grow into. We are not born mature, but as infants. And we need to remember that it's important that we therefore avoid quick fixes and shortcuts. So a quick pair of salvation for somebody, then quick shove them on an introduction course to church life. Now let's treat you like you've been a Christian for 20 years. That's a disaster. That won't help them grow. It doesn't help them understand their place in the family. They need parenting. And parenting takes time, patience and love. And you never stop being a mother or father to a child. So can I ask you, who are your spiritual children in Gateway? Who is it that God has given you to care for, 
to nurture and grow into their salvation. Can you name them? Do you know who they are? And who are your parents, your spiritual parents, your mothers and fathers who have looked after you in church life? They're so important too. Second practical way we can work things out is that church provides a true family for new people. Jesus said that for many people, the cost of following him would mean leaving behind their natural family. So in Luke chapter 18, he says, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age. You know, for people converted from other religions, this scripture can be a very sad reality as their natural families reject them. So it's important that we don't just offer people a club or an organisation. They don't need that. They're not going to leave their families for a club. We offer a new family with mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, genuine, meaningful relationships. And this is the challenge in the West where we're building community, which often relies on formalised, um, diarised appointments. Um, Sue and I, we're starting to pop in and see people more in our area that we live uh, in Worthing when we go for walks. I think it kind of started in lockdown, actually, when we started walking around the neighbourhood a bit more. Um, and, um, but do you know what? I still, I still text people first or give them a quick ring. Oh, we're just passing. Is it all right to pop in? Is it OK? Is it convenient? Is it a good moment? And even one of my friends is from a different culture. And I still text. Is it OK? Can I, can I pop in? So we're kind of beginning to go halfway there. But you know what? It occurred to me that um, um, Sue's parents, when they, they live in Worthing, when, when, when they want to come round, they don't phone us up first. They don't say, oh, can we pop in? Is it all right? Is it OK? Is it convenient? They just turn up. <laughs> Sometimes it's not so convenient. But you know what? We make room. We make space. We're, we're happy to see them. We're glad to see them. That's what family is, life, is like. And I'm thinking, the church should be like that. And yet we formalise it with diary appointments. Okay, and then the third practical thing is that we are family together on a mission. You see, God's promise is to bless all families on earth by sending a family. And so Jesus defined family in terms of those who are on his mission. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples. He said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, my mother. You see, Jesus saw mission as a family thing. That's why he called brothers like James and John. He called them together. He just didn't call one and not the other. So the mission of the church should resemble a family fishing business rather than a set of lone fishermen who are just friends and buddies fishing on their own, maybe doing it in a line. You know, we need to try and avoid making mission feel like a specialist area uh, with a small team. You know, um, a few years ago, um, I was traveling into Albania and and I've taken several teams into Albania. And um, I took a team again from our church. And this time we took somebody um, who had some learning difficulties. And, um, And we had to make special provision to have him on a team. And that was fine. And we did all of that. But you know what? What I didn't realise is this, that it, it, it really spoke volumes to the church leader of the Albanian church because he comes from a culture where people with learning uh, disabilities, there's a shame about it and they're hidden away in culture and they're not, you don't see them out and about like you would here in the UK. 
And actually, I realized I was modeling something. I was modeling what church family is like because church family encompasses all stratas of society and all types of people. And that's lovely, and we love that. And actually, we include everybody. Everybody is valued. And so we were valuing this guy where in, in this other culture, they, they hadn't valued people like that in the same way. And so it spoke, it spoke volumes to them. So that, that, was, that was an amazing time. Uh, when we went to Albania. So, my conclusion, and it's very short, and then I want to pray. You know, it's through a family called Gateway that God wants to bless the families of Swindon, Wiltshire, and the world. And your mandate is to play your part in filling the earth with families of the Spirit who love Jesus and display him to the world. Uh, reaching people groups both near you and maybe further away from you. So my question is this, how much do you look, breathe and feel like a family? And do you know your part in that family? So I just wanna finish and pray for you and then, um, and then at the end I've got a word to share. Okay. Father, I want to thank you so much for Gateway Church in Swindon. Thank you for all they are. Thank you for all the incredible family connections they have. Thank you for the mothers and fathers that are in the church. Thank you for the spiritual children. Thank you for the spiritual grandchildren that are there. Lord, I pray that as a church, they will grasp more and more what it means to be like a family, to act like a family. I pray more and more uh, Gateway will use the language of family, Lord. And I pray that people who join them will feel like I'm joining a family. I'm not joining a club or an organisation. This is a real family. And even those maybe who have to leave family behind, what an incredible cost that is, but they would find a genuine family in Gateway. I pray you would bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. I just finally want to share with you very briefly um, a prophetic word. I woke up this morning and I just had this on my mind, so I'm just gonna share it with you and leave it with you. I hope it will bless you and help you. But when I woke up, I had a sense of the gardener walking through his garden and tending his garden. And what he was doing is he was clearing some borders and he was taking out some old plants that had faded because their season had come to a close. While others were kind of being cut right back down to ground level because they need a new season to grow again. Um, but with these cleared borders, um, you know, he was able to plant new things. And I saw the colors of the border changing. There was fresh new colors, some colors that you haven't seen before. Some of them were quite bright. I, I just got red in my mind. I can see a lot of red actually, even now as I'm saying it, but there was a lot of bright, colors and um, everything was fresh and there was room to grow but also the height changed and there was a difference in height whereas before there was maybe a uniform border a formal border this border was much more kind of like up and down and, and and waving around a bit more in the wind if that makes any sense to you it kind of had a slightly if i say more wild look i don't mean a totally wild garden by any means it's a cultivated garden but it, it had a slightly more natural feel about it but yet it had symmetry and pattern and there was clear design in it 
And I also saw the gardener pruning um, some trees and cutting them right back, some of them. And, um, and what happened is as he cut the trees back, it created new views. And so suddenly, oh, we've never seen that before. Suddenly light was able to flood in after some pruning and it kind of brought life to some darker corners of the garden. But you know, the thing about pruning is that in the next season, it means that the, the trees become incredibly fruitful. And I feel there's a time of incredible fruitfulness that is coming upon you as a church. And the gardener, some of this fruit was, was naturally refruiting at the foot of the tree, but the gardener was taking some of it. Some of it he was putting elsewhere in the garden. Some of it he was taking and putting in completely different gardens. But he's also the gardener of those gardens. Lawns were mowed, paths were laid, detail was being added. And the garden was being made ready for public display, like a public opening. Um, although there was a lot of activity, it's important to emphasize that the, um, the physical footprint of the garden didn't shrink. And I feel that's important to say that your physical footprint hasn't shrunk. The boundaries remained even though it was between seasons. Um, and even though the garden had less in it at the time, the boundaries remained. The garden didn't shrink. And the gardener was pleased with his work. In no sense was he disappointed with the old. Um, he was satisfied with the former, but now excited with the new, especially the different colors and the plant varieties he could introduce. And it's like he'd been waiting and anticipating this moment for a long time. It meant he could use some new spaces that had never been properly cultivated and opened up. And I just saw some areas which had actually had never had plants and suddenly, oh no, the garden is now extending, but it's a boundary that's always been there, but now we can use that again. Do you know what? Um, God is the gardener. Gateway Church, I believe you are the garden and you are now in a change of season. And this is what God is getting you ready for, some of what's described here. I hope that blesses you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. It's been lovely to share with you this morning. Thank you.